Welcome to Benefits, What Like It's Hard? The podcast that breaks down the truths and misconceptions about all things benefits. Not only do we talk about what you should know about the benefits offered to you through your employer, but we also tackle topics on physical and financial wellness. I mean, come on, what more could you want from a podcast? Join me, Libby Allison, each week to hear from people just like you sharing their own experiences and experts giving us the inside scoop on the information we need to be successful. Hi, everyone. Today, we have a very special podcast, and I say special because most of our podcasts are pre-planned, and they are relevant, but they're not, I, I would say they're not as relevant as the ones that we decide to do later in the year, and this is one of those podcasts. So everyone knows, even if you're not interested in finances or investing or anything like that, Everyone has heard of Bitcoin, um, and we are going to be doing a podcast today that's all about Bitcoin. I'm particularly interested because I feel like I know nothing about it, um, and I I hear people talking about it, and I would love to be able to just be part of the conversation <laughs> that's happening. Um, so I'm so excited. We have Matt Antonucci on the podcast with us again. You guys have heard from him many times. So welcome back, Matt. Thank you, Libby. Glad to be back. And we also have David Templeton with us. He's new on the podcast. So hi, David. Thanks, Libby. Glad to be here. So let's jump in with talking about Bitcoin. What? Maybe we should start with what is it? Bitcoin. What is Bitcoin? That's the million dollar question or the the forty thousand dollar question because that's around where bitcoin is trading today um we can talk about what bitcoin is but uh i don't know maybe a, a more uh interesting starting point would be kind of the origins of bitcoin where it came from because it has a really fascinating background and it's very new um so it, it seemingly if you if you're not paying attention uh has kind of come out of the blue and become really popular, and the origins are kind of shrouded in mystery. Um, so it's kind of fun to talk about that um, ahead of maybe what Bitcoin is. But but Bitcoin was created uh, not too long ago, in 2009. And it was first mentioned in a white paper, which was written by someone under the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto. And to this day, we don't know who Satoshi Nakamoto is, there's or if it's a they. Or it's it could a, be a group of people. It could be a group of people, exactly. There, it's still shrouded in mystery. Uh, there's been speculation as to who it was. A few uh, you know, media outlets tried to connect the dots, but we still have no idea who this person or group of people are. Um, but the white paper that was penned uh, is called Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. And it's still available for anyone to read at Bitcoin.org. And it, it, it discusses using... And just a peer-to-peer network to create, and, and this is a quote from the white or the abstract, but a system for electronic transactions without relying on trust. So this idea was brought to the forefront uh, when you know during the, the global financial crisis, when faith in banks and the financial system was low in general. Uh, so it, it's it's just really fascinating to think about the time period where Bitcoin uh, originated from. And, and where it emerges uh, in, in, in history. Um, so, so that's kind of the origin of it. It's fascinating. 
but, but what is Bitcoin to your question? Uh, Bitcoin is, at its simplest definition, a digital currency. So we were talking, you know, offline before about different types of currencies. There's the euro, there's the Swiss franc, there's, um, you know, the ruble in Russia. The dollar. Uh, there's also the dollar, <laughs> which we're all familiar with. Uh, Bitcoin's another currency. It's a digital currency. There's no physical Bitcoin. It's just the digital balance that you might have in your digital wallet. Um, and, and the price of Bitcoin is often quoted in U.S. dollars. It's actually, like I mentioned before, sitting around 40000 today. Today's June 15, 2021. But um, it's, it's a, a currency that can be sent from one person to another without intermediaries like banks or, or other financial institutions. So when you say 40000 I just want to make sure I'm understanding. One dollar is equal to how many Bitcoin? One dollar... Well, the perhaps another doesn't have anything to do with that. Another way of saying that or thinking about it is one Bitcoin equals forty thousand dollars. Oh, gotcha. Okay, okay, so it does. Yes. Gotcha. Exactly. Okay. You know, to to really understand what Bitcoin is, though, I, I, you have to understand the technology behind it, and we're not going to dive too far into it because that's even above our heads at some level. Um, but but Bitcoin is powered by the blockchain. Uh, that's where it gets its utility, um, and the blockchain is basically just a digital record-keeping, uh, you know, platform or chain. It's a ledger. It's publicly available to anyone. Um, it's not run by anyone. It's automated, which is kind of a wild idea for people to think about. Um, there's no no banks or, or, or you know anyone uh, controlling it, and that's what gives Bitcoin its allure. Uh, to certain types of people is that you don't have any type of manipulation or, uh, you know, other downside to, you know, the fractional banking system. Uh, but, but, to that, but to that end, because there's not a central bank, so to speak, like the Federal Reserve and for the U.S. dollar, yeah. because there's not a bank involved, there's a limited amount of Bitcoin that can be issued. What was the number, Matt? Is it uh, 21 million, I think? Yeah. And there's 18.5 roughly Bitcoin outstanding, but there's a limited amount of Bitcoin that will be issued as we sit here today. Unlike the dollar, I mean, the U.S. government can print more dollars and devalue the currency, the U.S. dollar, by printing more. So to Matt's point, the allure, part of the allure to Bitcoin is there's, it can't be debased, as we say, or devalued by printing more Bitcoin. So it's going to be maybe a store of value, which we'll talk about here in a minute, but it's maybe a better store of value than versus the dollar as an investor would maybe view that or how, how they might view, say, gold, which is kind of a store viewed as a store of value too in inflationary times or in uh, difficult economic environments. But we'll touch on that maybe here in a minute when we talk about the pros and cons of, of Bitcoin as okay. an investment choice. Okay. But there is a limited amount out there, which is the allure of the digital currency, Bitcoin, or other cryptocurrencies, too. Yeah. I was going to ask, all cryptocurrencies work that way, not just Bitcoin. Not all. Okay. Some Bitcoin, or not some Bitcoin. Some cryptocurrencies have a limited supply like Bitcoin. Others don't. Okay. Um, it depends on the coin. All, all coins are not created equal. Yeah. Okay. Was Bitcoin the first cryptocurrency? 
Bitcoin, <laughs> there's, I don't know if this is even the right term, but on, on the dark web, um, you know, even before Bitcoin is launched, and I, I read about this when I was kind of researching just the origins and the history of Bitcoin, yeah. there's talks of other types of digital currencies. I don't know if there were ever um, any issues, but Bitcoin is, uh, from what I understand, the first and by far the most popular, or largest, I should say. Okay. Um, yeah, Bitcoin. Um, I'm on a, a site called CoinMarketCap.com for listeners if they're interested, and it basically looks at all the different cryptocurrencies uh, in existence, and it ranks them by uh, their market value. And right now, the market value of all the bitcoins in the world is 771 billion and change. So wow. it's by far the largest. The second largest is Ethereum at $303 billion. Um, so Bitcoin's the largest and, and the most popular. Okay. Yeah. But as we were talking about earlier, you know, it's difficult to understand or conceptually, you know, it's easy. The bank account, you can go get your dollars out of the bank. Yeah. Just by walking into the bank. Well, there's no one in charge of the Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, you can't walk into a bank and get it. So how do you access it? Well, you're, when you open a virtual wallet, you create a password or a key that only you know, and that's that's how you get access to your wallet. Okay. Well, today, 20% of the Bitcoin is frozen in wallets where people have either lost or forgotten their passwords. Oh, my gosh. So... Of the 18.5 million Bitcoin in circulation, 20% of those are lost or frozen. It's $150 billion in Bitcoin that's lost or frozen. So, you know, that's the downside of a cryptocurrency. You can't hit forgot password on your login to uh, to get a new password. I mean, there's not a forgot password <laughs> link on the... Oh my god. On a virtual wallet. I would lose my mind. <laughs> and some people have. <laughs> yeah, some people have. Well, th yeah, think about your bank account. You go to log in, you know, a few unsuccessful attempts even, you get locked out. Mm -hmm. It's frustrating, but you can call the support line or your bank and say, I need to reset my yeah. password. Could you imagine that if you're, your digital wallet, um, that's not an option. So that is a negative in a way about Bitcoin from the standpoint, it's not regulated. There's no one overseeing the yeah. uh, virtual wallets, and that is a, a potential, potential negative. Now, some people like that, that I can control my own Bitcoin yeah. and no one else is overseeing what I'm doing. And, you know, I guess I would say another negative is that it has attracted the criminal element to want to get paid in Bitcoin. You've heard this ransomware stuff going on with yeah. the Colonial Pipeline and what was the meatpacking company? Uh, forget who that I'm blanking on the I'm name. blanking on the name but you know they wanted to get paid in Bitcoin because it was hard to trace now that colonial pipeline they were able to get a lot of that money back but nonetheless it has attracted that is a negative it has attracted the criminal element to yeah this cryptocurrency world so to speak how do you so let's say I I don't know I have some Bitcoin and I want to use it to purchase something how do you do that? Right. Is it becoming mainstream? Uh, 
Matt and I were talking just the other day. That I didn't verify your story, Matt, but uh, he was on Venmo, and he could open a Bitcoin account and buy product with Bitcoin. Through Venmo? Through Venmo. Yeah. Uh, they're offering now you can convert all or part of your Venmo balance to Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Yeah. Interesting. Are you familiar with Venmo? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you were describing, like when you were originally talking about a peer-to-peer -peer transaction, or I don't know the language that you used, but I was like, that doesn't sound like a currency to me. That sounds like Venmo. Yeah. Well, so we're getting into now uh, a discussion of is, is it a currency or is it a technology? So a lot yeah. of people, there, there's an argument either side. So there's the blockchain technology. That's, that's kind of the... Uh, the driver behind Bitcoin, in our opinion, anyway. But then there's also, um, you know, this coin aspect to it, where people are saying this is—it's not a technology. It is a technology, but it's also a currency. Um, I kind of wonder. I kind of wonder. Like, I like Venmo sometimes because I don't ever transfer my balance to my bank account. Mm, I yeah. leave it in there, and then it's almost like this savings account that I can just use for transactions whenever I need to. Buy Bitcoin with it. Oh, maybe I should. <laughs> but it feels very similar. It just feels like this, like in that way, it's just, it's not sitting in a bank, I guess. It's just sitting in my Venmo account. Which, is your, which is your quote. That's my savings account. Well, yeah. It, or it's like, that's my, my cryptocurrency is Venmo. <laughs> My Venmo account, what's the difference besides it's dollars in my Venmo account? I don't know. We're going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's okay. So, well, we talked about some of the negatives. What are some of the pros to Bitcoin? I mean, I think, and Matt, jump in here, I believe the biggest pro that's discussed is the fact that there's a limited, at least with Bitcoin, there's a limited, a finite amount of Bitcoin that'll be issued. Now, it could be changed, but there's a finite amount of Bitcoin that'll be issued. So there, it's unlikely that that currency, as we would call it, the Bitcoin currency, could get devalued. So you know what it's gonna be worth. Mm -hmm. And it's likely going to appreciate over time because there's a limited amount of it. It's a supply and demand issue. If Bitcoin becomes more, more attractive for people to use and more people start using it because there's a limited amount and the price of the Bitcoin is going to go up yeah. versus deflating yeah. and being worth less, some of what they're saying the U.S. is doing by you know, more dollars in circulation is devaluing yeah. the dollar, so to speak. But, I mean, I think that's the biggest pro is that it's uh, – it's unlikely to be debased. Would you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, that's the biggest pro. That's that's why it was created in general. Um, so it's doing its job there. Um, and some would say it's a good hedge against inflation because of that. That the downside to that is it just was issued in 2009. Well, we've not really been in a significant inflationary environment yet since 09. We don't know if it's a good hedge against. So we don't know if it's a good hedge. Okay. So really, we don't know because we haven't seen how it operates yeah. or functions 
in a highly inflationary environment. So there's a limited supply though. Is there a chance that not, I mean, I guess not everyone will be able to get it then? If, if for some reason it becomes something that you absolutely need to have, kind of like the dollar. Is there a chance that not everyone can get it because there's a limited supply? Well, they could get it. I mean, $1 would get you 40,000. A 40,000th of a Bitcoin. One, one Bitcoin is worth $40,000. So you could buy half a Bitcoin or okay. a tenth of a Bitcoin. You could buy okay. a fractional Bitcoin to get yeah. you what you need. It's no different than someone buying gold in some of these hyperinflation economies, third world countries. When they go buy, gro they have the physical gold. When they go buy groceries or need to spend it, they chip it off and weigh it. And yeah. then, whatever the whatever the price of gold is at the time, that's how they determine what your okay. gold flakes are worth. So Bitcoin's the same way. You can get fractional shares of it. Yeah. So you could get it. Do, you, do we think that's going to happen? That eventually it's going to be something that you have to have? Or that's the big question mark no one knows? Well, and that, and that gets to the investing question. So I, I think the, that is the big question mark because one of the, the negatives of Bitcoin is it's been highly volatile. Yes. The, the price of the Bitcoin has fluctuated a lot. Um, I mean, I know, in, for example, in, say, the February to March of last year, Bitcoin was down almost 55%. The S&P 500 was down 33%. You know, if you, if you own gold, it was actually up about 2%. So if you're owning Bitcoin because it's a stable store of value, well, surely didn't hold its value back during the pandemic market pullback. Okay. So that is a concern. That's a negative about Bitcoin is that it's, the price fluctuates a lot right now. Absolutely. And think about it this way. If you're a, if you're a business and, and there's some reports that say that, you know, 15,000 businesses worldwide accept Bitcoin. If you're accepting Bitcoin as payment in, in that March, that February to March period, you're selling product. If you sold if you if you sold a product uh, and accepted Bitcoin at the peak, that Bitcoin that you now have on hand was down 55%. So that's not an yeah, exactly okay. an attractive proposition from a business standpoint at the at the moment anyway. Um, I think the key is I mean you you were kind of alluding to it the key or an important part of the Bitcoin acceptance is that it becomes more widely used, and they just just maybe a week or two ago I think. It was they approved a new method in terms of how the algorithm is going to work called Taproot, which will make it more user-friendly, more secure to be used in other types of transactions, potentially like purchasing a car or car titles or real estate transactions. Yeah. So the technology slash the Bitcoin could be used in more transactions to get rid of the paper aspect of those transactions but make it more widely available and more usable across different applications, which would be a positive for the, that currency or yeah. for Bitcoin. Is there anything to compare it to? Like, how long ago did another new currency start? Do we know that? Does my question make sense? As in a, like a traditional... Mm -hmm. Sovereign currency. Yeah. 
couldn't tell you what the exact was sovereign currency was, but the euro. I was going to say euro, but I think that was actually around. <laughs> I think that was around before they even created the euro, that currency, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Okay, we'll, we'll, check, we'll, check, on we'll check on that. Sometimes I ask questions that people don't know the answer to. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just am, like, curious how, if those are also volatile at first and then they start to taper off. Yeah, what's the precedent? What yeah. What can we expect? Yeah. And it may not even be worth comparing because this is a totally different type of currency. It's a totally different type of currency. That's what's make it, that is what makes it so tough to compare. So uh, not to get too into the weeds, but if you're comparing you know, an exchange rate between the US dollar and the euro, for example, those exchange rates, um, you know, they trade 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just like Bitcoin does. However, they're based off of the interest rates of those countries in the inflation rates and the growth rates of those countries. So we have a baseline comparison. Yeah. With Bitcoin, you don't have that. How do I know that it's actually worth, you know, forty one thousand um, dollars? you know, how how do we value it? So that's what makes it really tough is you don't know what exactly it's worth. Um, and so when it fluctuates like it does, is that warranted? Is that growing pain, so to speak? Um, we just don't know. Yeah, that 40,000 number seems very arbitrary. Yes, absolutely. It's it's based on what the next person's willing to pay for it. And that's what most commodities that don't have right. any, you know, kind of like gold. Um, but it is arbitrary, to your point. So that makes it tough for us to value. So when you, you're valuing a traditional investment, I don't know if do you want to go this route now. Yeah. Okay. We're valuing a traditional investment like a stock, for example, or even a bond. Uh, those produce cash flows. They're companies. They're underlying companies that produce cash flows. They have revenue and earnings, and we can take those cash flows and discount them back and arrive at a price. With Bitcoin, it doesn't produce cash flows. It's just It just trades. So it's really hard to say what it's worth even though we say, oh, it has a fixed supply. So in theory, um, you know, supply and demand, if demand's greater than supply, it should go up. How much should it go yeah. up? We don't know. It's really hard to say. But that gets to the point because Bitcoin does not generate any type of earnings or cash flow. I mean, you wouldn't buy a savings account if it didn't pay any put money in a savings account, and that's separate didn't pay in interest, although none of them are paying interest today anyway. But <laughs> that's another story. But uh, Bitcoin fixes that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Bitcoin fixes that. But because it doesn't generate any cash flow, so the question becomes, you know, we, and we get this question from our clients, should I be investing in Bitcoin? Is it a reasonable investment? And the short answer we would say is it's hard to value Bitcoin because of that. Yeah. In fact, it doesn't generate cash flow. We would view, and it's because of the volatility of the price that fluctuates a lot. If you're going to invest in Bitcoin, we would say it's more of a gamble. You know, if you if you go to Las Vegas and you're pulling the slot machine, you're going to win or lose. I mean, but if you lose the money, you know, you know that's going to be the outcome, and that could be the outcome in Bitcoin. But further, I mean, Venmo's a real company. You know, and Matt was just saying you can buy Bitcoin through Venmo. Well, Venmo. Venmo is owned by a publicly traded company called PayPal, and 
full disclosure, we own PayPal for our clients. So you can invest, an individual can invest in a so-called maybe real company that's generating cash flow that has some exposure to Bitcoin. And, and as an investor, you get some indirect exposure to the currency because of what the company's doing. Um, again, PayPal being one. Um, you know, some other companies are Square, which is a payment company you may be heard of. Um, NVIDIA with the chips? NVIDIA. They make the, the chips, the processing chips that go into this mi the mining equipment. Um, Overstock has a, uh, a part of their business has an investment in kind of this uh, blockchain technology. So as an investor, you can invest in some of these real companies and maybe get some indirect exposure. And yeah. that's maybe a better way to do it if you don't want to take as much risk as, you know, maybe flipping a coin with a, a direct investment in Bitcoin. But, you know, if you have some gambling money and you want to dabble a little bit in Bitcoin, you know, we would say it's a high risk endeavor at the moment. We're not recommending it for clients as, as we sit here today. Yeah. yeah. As a long-term investment. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you understand Bitcoin now? I mean, a little better. I don't know that it was ever explained to me as, I mean, it's called cryptocurrency, so I should have put two and two together, but it's just digital money, right? It's digital money, for sure. And again, your, your money in the bank isn't necessarily it's not the same, but when you think about it, if everybody goes to the bank and wants to pull out their dollars, they can't do it. But you know, it's it's really a, it's in digital format when you go spend money. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm just trying. It's not comparing apples to apples, but at least functionally, you know, a cryptocurrency in terms of how you use it and how it can be used in transactions, really not different than having a debit card and paying for something. And they just take it out of your checking account. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm simplifying, but it's 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 the terminology I think that trips people. But um, you can't. I mean, you can't go to a lot of places right now, kind of like we talked about, and say, "I want to pay for this in Bitcoin." And that's a negative. I mean, there's nothing that says everybody has to accept Bitcoin. Yeah. For transactions. Yeah. I mean, you can walk into any store in in a mall here around here, and they take the dollar. Yeah. They'll take your credit card for the most part, or you can pay with cash. Mm-hmm. But, but very few would probably take, will take Bitcoin at the moment. Yeah. But you can, can you convert it? So like, let's say I buy Bitcoin through Venmo. Can I convert it to the dollar then? You convert it back. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just like any currency. Convert it one way or the other. Okay. So having said that, it's becoming, seems more functional because you can do that mm -hmm. exchange, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. But I think the fact that it, it fluctuates in value so much is a pretty big negative from the standpoint of, okay, this is a stable currency. I know what it's going to be worth tomorrow yeah. and the next day. Do either of you have Bitcoin? I do not. I do not either. Do you think you will get some in the future? Okay. Uh, in all honesty, <laughs> yeah. when I when I saw the Venmo feature, I'm I'm like you. I've got my little Venmo balance, and that's like you know, 
not fun money, but you know, if I'm out, I'm just not going to move back to my bank. Yeah. Um, when I saw that button on Venmo, I was very tempted to take <laughs> some of that and convert it to Bitcoin. And there's a couple other cryptocurrencies on there as well, but um, I haven't done it yet. Okay. What about you? I mean, I haven't done it, so. So. And I don't leave my money sitting at Venmo. In Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. I mean, I think, I think the overall message has been clear. It's not, you know, I, you should be educated on it first and foremost. And learning how it started, where it comes from, what else is out there like it, what, how does it differ from the dollar or other currencies like it and those types of things are probably the first step if you're going to do anything with Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. But then there's other things to consider, like the pros and cons, and you should just be aware of those before you make any decision around um, what you're going to do with Bitcoin, like how much how much you're actually going to have or buy. Um, and, you know, for me, I would want to know what's my plan for if I need to get access to that money. Like if I have a Bitcoin account, I don't know if that's what it's called, having a place to store my password <laughs> or um, knowing how to convert it back to the dollar if I need to, those types of things. So um, I don't know. I think it's clear. Just be educated. That's kind of the undertone of all of our podcasts is to make sure that you're educated on the decisions that you're making before you make them and that you should seek advice from experts when needed. And I think with the Bitcoin, the, the one way to understand something is to invest in it because you'll follow it. But it would be something you should take a baby step in probably. Yeah. If you're really interested in doing that before you jump head first into it. Yeah. That way you can see how it works, how you exchange in and out of it without putting your life savings in right. there and then right. something blows up and then you regret it. But taking a baby step into it would be the first way to, uh, if you're interested, would be the, the cautionary word there is just yeah. you know, be cautious if you're initially thinking about investing in it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe purchase just a little bit through Venmo. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> so we will check back with you in about a week <laughs> if you invested in Bitcoin. <laughs> I don't think I will, but my husband might. <laughs> okay. We'll check with him. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. I always appreciate these podcasts. I love it. I say this every podcast. Maybe I sound like a broken record, but I love the financial episodes that we do just because I, I feel – I was saying at the beginning of this that I'm a pretty beginner when it comes to – financial knowledge. Um, so I love these podcasts because I feel like I at least know the next step to take um, to get started. So thank, thank you. you guys. Thank you. Thank you for having us. See you next time.
Nothing we say in this podcast is representative of any specific plan and should not be construed as legal, regulatory, or accounting advice. If there is any discrepancy between what we say and your plan document, your plan document will always